0: Welcome to the Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of the Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Ben IQ Software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome. This is the Concierge CPA podcast. I have David Padel with me today, and we've known each other for several years now. Um, I sought out an expert in the field of defined benefit plans, which sounds so boring, but is actually super exciting and an amazing tax strategy. And I had learned many years ago that it's a great, great tool for high net worth entrepreneurs. And I wanted to find someone that had high integrity, understood some nuances of them, which we can talk a little bit more about that as we go. There's some insurance nuances. There's some healthcare nuances that can get really tricky. And that's how I found David. And he has been such an excellent resource to us. He's a preferred vendor for us in the Tax Advisory Software Tax Fund IQ. So welcome, David. Uh, thanks for being here. I know you've done this for a long time. You've got probably over 20 years of experience. Uh, what brought you into this field and what, you know, what are you passionate about here?
1: Thanks for having me, Jackie. Yes, we've been working together for, for some time now. Um I was a regular generalist financial advisor for a very long time um, and uh, realized in that specific space, uh, things started to get commoditized and what different advisors were doing. Um, We got involved in a cash balance plan many years ago. And when I looked at the design, tried to figure out what was going on, started asking questions, wanting to understand everything. I then realized that every one of these designs were different from the next and there Mm -hmm. were a million different answers. And I saw this big puzzle of pieces and nobody could really put all those pieces together and simplify it. Mm -hmm. And we started doing some more of these plans and then said, okay, this is an area we want to go down. This is a niche, it's a specialty. Um, It needs to be filled to, to the extent of having a a consulting type place where someone can go to and use as an outsourced resource to make these plans successful and um, find the right design and put that plan in place there are so many different areas uh, that needed to be quarterbacked between a financial advisor, a TPA, actuary, record keepers, platforms. um, Mm -hmm. And nobody was actually doing that. So I said, let's go dive in, all in on this. And um, it's interesting. It's fun. uh, I love educating uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, and, and, um, and tax advisors, uh, as well as financial advisors on this space.
0: Yeah, you've done a lot of educational content. I know that you've been featured in Forbes, some stuff with the American Institute of CPAs, um, CPA practice advisor, things like that. That's really cool. So let's take a step back and in very layman terms, let's define what is a defined benefit plan?
1: So the way I like to explain it in the simplest form is if you could take your 401k and put in five times more, 10 times more, 20 times more um, contributions instead of a $20,000 contribution, now being able to put in uh, $100,000 up to a million dollars. If you think about it in that sense that you have the ability to put in a lot more money into a retirement plan, supercharge what you're putting away for retirement, get a huge tax deduction for doing so, and have a whole bunch of other benefits, like you mentioned earlier, that could go along with it. That's the simplest way to describe um, defining that future benefit and doing this. This is, in its own, one of the tax strategies. I know in Tax Planning IQ, you have so many different strategies. Um, This is one of those strategies that can provide the largest benefit in tax savings?
0: Yes, it sure can. So it's a heavy hitter. Um, So define contribution plans like a 401k. You're, to make it very simple, you're literally just defining the max amount per year that you can contribute to the plan. We're talking about something that you can fund a lot more upfront and you're really defining the benefit they get later down the road, right? So I like to call it a 401k on steroids. Now, I thought you, when I first started doing these, I thought you had to have a 401k to have a defined benefit plan. How does that all come together?
1: So many of our plans are combination plans. If there's a 401 in place, we try not to disrupt it, but it does need to get involved in the plan. It does Mm -hmm. need to be looked at. Um, There's also a profit sharing uh, component to a plan. And then there's also defined benefit. You can do a solo defined benefit plan. You could do a solo cash balance plan. You do not need to have those other components. Um, A lot of times you can layer them together and it adds a totally different layer or additional benefits to layer them together. So it just depends on that design. Like I said, different from an on-the-shelf product, like an IRA, a simple, a SEP, a 401, um, it is going to be based on a plan design. And every one of the actuaries and TPAs that we work with use different designs. And what we try to do is find out what the client's trying to accomplish and then find that best design that's going to fit their situation.
0: Mm -hmm. And so the older someone is, the more essentially on this kind of scale that people can fund in the account at that point. So if someone's starting at age 30, they're going to have less of an opportunity. But what does that amount look like for people? You know, what's kind of like the minimum and maximum that you see people doing? And what does that age range look like?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you uh, two examples. Um, so that, that are actual cases that are very recent um, on somebody that's younger in their 30s. Um, and then this shows, I like to use this because it shows the difference between the multiple designs. So someone in their 30s, um, we went to one TPA, looked at one actuarial design. They could put away $100,000. Another one said 150000 They pushed it. We went to a third design, same person, $220,000. Wow. So big difference. Um, this person is actually, I think, like 29. So okay. um, very young, right? Um, uh, another recent case that we just did where we doubled up the plan years which is a a unique design to do. Um, He is, this client is a uh, solo practitioner doctor. Um, uh, He's 60. And in the first year, we're putting away Mm -hmm. $980,000. Every year after, we're going to $550,000. So that's a case where we front-loaded Uh, Okay, so you like front loaded
0: a couple years. Yeah, I remember because we did one together, I think that we were able to front load one of our clients for three years, and they funded 1.2 mil. And that's all tax deductible in the year that it's contributed in the plan, which is pretty amazing stuff.
1: And what's great about that is because the design is done that way, you're not it doesn't mean that you can't fund next year, you're funding Mm -hmm. the year after and the year after and the year after, you're just funding at lower levels. Okay. So um, that works for certain people in a certain way. Um, It just depends on what someone is trying to accomplish. We we did another plan recently for somebody that wanted to put money in once and not put money in ever again. They were going to actually retire. So the funding was set up to fund for this year with future funding for the next two years at zero dollars and then closing the plan um, in that third year and rolling all those assets to an IRA.
0: That's so smart. That's so neat that, that you were able to work with someone so early on because I had a client come to me when they ha- already had like a letter of intent to sell their practice and they're looking for these huge tax strategies to offset that sale. And it's like, well, it's too late. Like there has to be economic substance, so to speak of creating this defined benefit plan before you can just go and sell the company and so y'all made this plan over you know three-year period it sounds like that really benefited them in that retirement plan
1: yeah i mean we've done a whole bunch of things where there's been liquidity events such as sales um for just for example um we've had situations where we put a plan in place and then we move that plan to the person's individual corporation because they might be getting consulting income even mm-hmm. after they sold. Um, so we'll move the plan off of that main company to a different one. So there is a lot of different strategies and different ways that things could be done. I think the, the big thing is a lot of times people say, I'm not sure that there's a commitment and funding. Um, there is a lot of flexibility. It just, we need to know upfront, what does the future look like? And then uh, create the design that way.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I've heard people say you need to have a good 8 to 10 years of steady um, contributions to this plan, but it sounds like that's not even really the norm anymore. It's about just tell us your end goal and we can see how how that becomes a reality.
1: Yeah, we want to know about cash flow. It really is the most important thing because there's, there's a balance re- re- depending on, on how mature that business is. The balance is between keeping cash flow to keep growing the business, cash flow for paying taxes and cash flow to put away money into strategies to reduce what you're paying taxes. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: we've seen situations we will set up plans where um, the tax uh, advisor will say, "Okay, take your estimates, cut them in half, take that half and put it into the plan and pay the the other half to estimates. Some will say skip two of the estimates. Some will, you know, put in as much of the money in the plan as they can to bring the tax. You know, there's so many different ways, but we, you want to figure out how, what's that comfort level? And it doesn't have to be as high as a million dollar plan. We've actually gotten some recent, recently, some very big plans with very high profits. And the, even a even million dollars on something like a $30 million or $20 million profit, the owners are really interested in because it's still saving a good amount of money.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, let's say someone's in a 30% effective rate, plus state taxes is maybe 10%. If you're, you know, Californian, you've got 40% savings on a mill, which is 400K in one year. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, we've, we've seen them. And we're seeing the um, plans from all over the all over the country. We you, you would you would think, well, how could you get so many plans in Florida where there is no state taxes and we get a ton there? It's just because hmm. if there's a profitable business and they can do something to reduce their taxes, then they're looking into it.
0: Yeah. Now at what point so some people are probably listening and thinking oh this is awesome i want to do this but maybe they only have ten thousand dollars a year they can put into when does it become actually like the cost benefit become there for somebody is it 50k is it 100k a year what what does that look like
1: yeah i really think it's like 100 to one hundred fifty thousand is the amount that they're gonna that they should be putting away to to really look into this and the reason is because let's just take a solo for example They could do a 401 and profit sharing and they could get close to 100 in there close enough it's good enough Mm -hmm. um it's it's when they say well i can do 100 consistently or i i want to start at 100 and grow it um and that's really the numbers that that you know we see we do see it all over the map though um sometimes people are worried about i don't want to go and put that kind of money away and i'll say start at this number because I, based on what you're doing, I see your business is growing. I see the numbers are there, and you're gonna want to keep adding more. You just need that comfort level to get there. So um, if you're under those numbers, it's 401 and profit sharing are probably going to be a better fit. Um, mm-hmm. And we're happy to talk to anyone about, you know, uh, about what works and what doesn't.
0: How do you tend to tell people to estimate for the cost involved that, you know, of this ROI that they'll get, is it a certain percentage that they have in costs or does it tend to be more flat fee? How does that work in the industry?
1: So when we talk about costs or when we think about costs uh, on RN for us, we're thinking about costs as what do we have to give away? And that's efficiency. It's not fees. So fees is going to be separate. Um, when I talk about costs and efficiency, let's just say you have 10 employees or five employees, is the owner getting 95% of the benefit and giving away 5% to employees? I feel like cash balance defined benefit combined with the other plans. They're really meant for an owners and an owner's benefit. You're enhancing the owner's benefit. 401k is an employee benefit. Mm -hmm. And as an owner, you can benefit from it. But it's not a huge tax benefit at $20,000 to put money into a 401k. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the strategies we advocate for is use the defined benefit side for your deduction. And then on the 401 put all that money in a Roth. Because you don't need the deduction anymore. You can use the big bucket for the deduction. And then save after-tax money on the four on the four hundred one Roth side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that's a huge planning piece and a planning tool that that's very beneficial. But from an eff- back to the efficiency standpoint, if you're putting uh, giving five percent to employees or ten percent to employees, that's really the cost. Uh, generally, we want to find plans where the owner's getting, or we want we want to look for designs where the owner can get. 80% or higher. Sometimes okay. it's 98%. Sometimes it's 86%. Um, when it becomes lower than that number, it really becomes, it, it depends. Do you want to give that? Away? Is, okay. it, is it worth it? Is the benefit there? Um, from a cost standpoint or fees, back to the, the going away from efficiency, <laughs> excuse me, Um So there's fees involved because there's a lot of moving pieces and um, those fees can range on a solo plan, you know, for one person, anywhere between call it $2,000 and $6,000. You know, they're kind of, it depends on what's going in, what's involved, but they're not, they're not hot. Right. So let's just say on average for a solo four to $5,000. Um, and that, you know, startup, and then you have ongoing every fee, every, every year. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot of people involved, so it's not a high cost fit. Now, if you have, um, 20 employees, you could have a fee of seven to $10,000 upfront in every year. Um, mm-hmm. but you might be putting away also three to five hundred thousand dollars or more, um, you know, and getting 90% of that benefit. So the benefit is there. Uh the cost or fees of doing it are not that high. They are there though. There is a lot involved, but on average we're seeing on most plans six figure uh savings uh in taxes.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Now can Define benefit plans, be self-directed, so to speak, like 401Ks.
1: So we get questions all the time. Um, and I will say, I've always said it doesn't really matter what you put in the plan return-wise because you're making 30 to 50% on your money the second right. you put like money into Right, like your immediate
0: tax savings right. is your major benefit. And then anything else is just icing on right. the cake.
1: Right, so the IRS is, is is generally in these plans based on the the math involved, giving uh, around a five percent crediting rate every year, and you want to keep up with that five percent. You don't want to, you really don't want to be negative negative fifteen percent, and you don't want to be positive, uh, you know, fifteen percent. Uh, you, oh, okay. you, your funding should correspond every year with the returns of that plan. Four hundred one. It doesn't matter. You can go crazy. It's irrelevant. There's no, it's different. Um, You can put in the plan and we're often asked about alternative assets. We're asked about life insurance, private equity, and uh, real estate. Yes, you can put all those things in the plan. Yes, there's caveats and details to all of them. Um, There's pros and cons and they just need to be explained and looked at. But it is doable. We we do get a lot of real estate investors that say we cannot. You know, we're not putting money in the market. We want to do this, but we just real estate's our thing. That's what we want to do. Um, I will explain. And as you know, well, you don't get depreciation, which is a pretty good benefit from real estate. Um, but you do have the ability to put it in the plan. Uh, there's um, self directing custodians, just like a four hundred one. And you could, um, uh, as long as you follow the rules and as long as we can get rates of return that are similar to what that plan needs to get, it can work.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, there's a lot of flexibility here that people don't realize. Now, one one of the ways that I originally found you was because I became kind of obsessed with this topic of what's called a 401H. And it's from a friend and mentor and now tax you user and coaching student of my own, um, Amit Shandell. He always tells me about the coolest ideas. And so he told me about this 401H where you're essentially, I mean, a defined benefit plan is deferring your taxes, just like a defined contribution plan does. But you can essentially carve out a small component of that plan each year towards completely tax free medical benefits, so to speak. So I was really all all over that topic until you kind of helped me realize there's even there's other things you can do that are just as beneficial, if not better, without muddying up the waters of the contract and the difficulties of the agreement around insurance as well. So without getting too muddied in the waters, because it gets complex here, give our listeners a little bit overview of how that works.
1: Okay, so 401H is a very specific aggregated benefit in a very specific design. And um, it is not in all designs. Uh, It needs to be administered and done in a very specific way. Um, It gives the ability to have a component in a cash balance plan to uh, be able to use those assets in retirement tax-free if used for medical benefits. So think... HSA, but huge amounts that can go into it. Um uh, yeah. big More bucket like
0: HRA in a way, like a HRA on steroids or MERP, if that's what listeners are used to. Yeah,
1: right, right. But with but it, it's it's a way to pull money out of your out of your plan, and p- not pay taxes, and use it for things that you're going to have to use it for anyway, which are medical expenses, which is probably the number one um, expense for any retiree to ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, um, some caveats to that and details. Um, it is a good benefit. Uh, sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that list of what you can use for those medical benefits. Um, if you've ever seen the you know, the HSA list, it's pretty big. Um, it's, it's prescriptions. It's, it's, um, uh, massage and spa treatment. Yeah, there's some vision, gym pause.
0: There, gym. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of generic stuff that you can spend that on for sure.
1: So there, uh, it is a great benefit. Uh, it is used out there. It's just not used widely. And you really have to know the details of the design and, um, and be on top of it. Because when a plan closes, and we've been through a lot of them, um, and money goes to an IRA or the company closes, you, we have to make sure that that four hundred one h component is administered properly, so it's actually getting used and um and tested compliance wise the way that it has to. Mm-hmm. It's not something that it's not funds that you do go and roll into an IRA. It's mm-hmm. funds that stay open and then get used for that purpose. Um, from an insurance standpoint, that's another good um, way to. Uh, where you have, you have the ability to pull tax-free money out if you wanted to. Um, I try to stay away from discussing the insurance unless anyone asks, because you're <laughs> going to have people that love it, and then you're going to have people that hate it. So oh, yeah. I just try Insurance tried- <laughs> is still like
0: seated in all of us to be this evil thing because of all the, you know, scans that happened in the 90s, I guess. I don't know.
1: Well, I just try to stay right in the middle with it. And if someone is an interest in using it, I will explain how it works and how it fits in some designs and how it doesn't. Now, I'll tell you the benefits if someone does use insurance as a piece of the cash balance plan, a piece, we never advocate for all money going into any kind of insurance funds. Um, you're putting pre-tax money away into an asset that policy can be bought out of the plan and then can become tax-free money in the future. And it's a swap. You're putting money into your plan to remove that insurance asset at some point down the line. And then all the money in that insurance policy is going to continue to grow as if it was outside the plan, which there's tax-free benefits to insurance outside of a plan, except you paid for it with pre-tax dollars. So we're all trying to get Every side of the tax fence right the pre-tax the tax deferred and then the tax free at the end Mm -hmm. the there are ways where 401h and insurance get close to doing that, Hmm. but there it depends if there's a fit it depends you know if someone wants to go down that road and and look into it but these are definitely and this goes back to what i said initially when i started looking and learning about these plans i was like There is a ton of information out here and nobody has it all together or understands all of it or can even guide someone on where to go because one TPA is going to have a totally different design, totally different take on things. Hey, we won't go near insurance. We're not touching it Four hundred one H. We don't know what it is. We're not looking at it um, versus another one, which might say the opposite. We'll, you know, we, we only, there's TPAs that will only put, um, only do a plan if there's insurance as a piece in there. So mm-hmm. um, it really depends on what someone's um, main goal is, what they want to look with, what, what they, how they want that plan to succeed and how they vision, envision it. And then matching that up to, to, to creating the, the ecosystem around it.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, case in point, It's just good to know that there's someone out there like you that is staying on top of all of those sayings for everybody because there is so much to know about it. Um, And that's what I'm always looking for in our vetted experts are people that are staying ahead of that learning curve. And I know that you always are. So that's really neat. Um, Okay, so before we switch gears, because I want to ask a little bit about some of your favorite uh, books and things like that. Anything else that you want to share around uh, your specialty or your niche with the defined benefit plans?
1: Um, what I noticed and what most people don't know is that uh, these are not products. Um, they are everyone. We've looked at a lot of designs and we'll say, we're not comfortable with how they're doing these. this. We, I don't like You know what's happening behind it. We'll, we'll have some other TPAs look at, some actuaries. It, you know, and then we come up with a consensus. Hey, we're not putting them on our list. It doesn't seem. Um, it's just not worth that risk. When I look at tax strategies and I think about risk, and there's so many. I've seen everything that's out there. There's so many things that um, push the limits or get close to it, or that have been used, and then the IRS kind of looks at it and says, "Hey, we don't like this, or we're looking at it." Um, defined benefit has been around forever. And it's never an issue. It's not something that's um, crazy and new. And, um, you know, you're you're going and pushing limits and, and numbers. And um, yes, these plans could get audited. Um, but again, if they're in compliance, there should not be any issue as long as that design is not, you know, really, really trying to, do something that shouldn't be done. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, all the designs that we look at, we don't want to really talk to an actuary or learn about a new actuary that is doing the same thing as somebody else that we already know that they're, they're doing. We want to learn about, that's what I've sought out, to learn about what is this design, why is it different, what are you doing different? That way we know, OK, here's who we look at for this specific situation.
0: Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if if whether you're an advisor that's interested in doing this, or a taxpayer yourself or entrepreneur, and you want to talk to an advisor about it, David and his team are a great resource for that. David, how would people reach out to you if they wanted to talk about their options? Because it's not super straightforward. Like, oh, you're 45, you can contribute 200 a year. It's there's a lot of factors. And you include a whole proposal for for anyone that's interested, which is really neat.
1: Yeah, and we keep our proposals really simple too. We you know we we make them so it's easy to understand. Um, we're not going and creating a spreadsheet of who gets what and all these employees and all this stuff. It's we we try to simplify something that's very complex. And I find that the more complexities that we get into, it people kind of they get to a point and they shut down. Everyone wants to to wants you know the answer what how does this work for me how does it benefit for, benefit me what are the steps forward what are the costs so that's how we try to clarify that um we have a intake form and a proposal request on our site um um which, which we can is, you know what's the site businessbenefitsconsultants.com beautiful all right yep we'll
0: include that be, in the show notes
1: Yep, businessbenefitsconsultants.com. Um, you can go there and there is something that says client zone um, proposal request. Um, you could send an email or reach out, just say, hey, I have a situation. I want to talk to you about it. And we'll jump on a Zoom for five minutes, um, gather some information, then probably ask you for that, that intake form. Um, or if you do fill out an intake form, we're still going to talk to you specifically. We want to know more about what those goals are and how you want the plan to look.
0: Yeah, and one other thing we didn't even talk about, which is important, is when you have to do this. So the the SECURE Act has made it a bit more flexible in regards to funding opportunities on this, is that correct? Like when when you have to do it, whether it's year-end versus the tax deadline the next year.
1: Yeah, right now we're working on a lot of 2023 plans. Anyone that's on extension has really, I'm going to say up until around the summer to even get the plan in place and funded. Um, They don't have to really fully fund till they file and they could still get that deduction from 2023. We're recommending- Yeah,
0: and we're we're in 2024 right now, just in case our listeners don't know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. we're we're recommending looking at this stuff now because that way you don't have to come up with a check right away. Um, doing creating a plan right now, having it in place, and then funding over time till tax deadline is still going to get you that 2023 deduction. Um, I had a meeting this morning though, and it was 2024. And that person's in a great situation because now they have this entire year of 24 and into next year's filing, Yeah, to get funding in, so they they just on a quarterly basis want to be able to put money away. Yeah, this allows them to really control cash flow and put a lot more away than coming up with a check between now and tax time.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. Okay, awesome. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit. I love to ask about because I'm an avid learner. Um, what is your favorite book or a book that you think that our listeners between accountants and entrepreneurs, you're like, you must go read this if you haven't in your lifetime.
1: So I read everything and all the self-help stuff and every book I've I've read. it. I have for a long time been on this kick about with Ben Hardy. Have you heard of Dr. Benjamin Hardy? Oh
0: yeah. I've got all his books. All the books. Yeah, all so, the books just read 10 times. Um, yeah, I love
1: 10 times. I mean, I keep going back to all of them. Um yeah. his YouTube videos um are they're just great. Um I have uh, anything that's new that comes out. Yeah, that's one of the favorite. older ones.
0: Personality isn't permanent. One of my yep. favorite ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, um yeah, the 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 10x is easier than 2x um you know uh i i went through strategic coach many years ago so dan sullivan who he wrote that book with um Mm -hmm. i knew sullivan for for years i was in the strategic coach program for at least i think five years um, very cool and big advocate for any of your listeners too um strategic coach have you
0: heard have you i have uh, yeah I've considered doing it myself. I've just been through, you know, it's always like which coaching program am I going to do when? Right.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I've done a lot of everything, tried everything. I will say strategic coach is definitely from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, one of the best things that I ever did. And I did it many years ago. I do personal coaching now I've had a personal coach ever since then. Um, so I've never not been without coaching. And I think anyone that, uh, is is running their own thing and entrepreneurial and you know, paving their own path and wants, wants growth um, and organization, uh, coaching is and personal development is a key component and always has been in my life. So um uh from a mental standpoint, and I know you're big on the mental stuff, um, it's been at least 10 years that I've done transcend transcendental meditation. And it's twice a day, 20 minutes a day, never miss. And it's probably been about 10 years. I I shouldn't say never miss. The days that I don't do it or scheduling wise, it can't happen. I feel totally different. So it's it's one of those things that it has to get done. And that 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. So big advocate on the mental side of, of meditation.
0: Yeah. So what do you use? Is there a particular app or was there a book or a particular, um, you know, guru that you base this off of?
1: Yeah. So there I was um, I, I took a personal class from somebody who has taught it. I think he's taught it for over 40 years, maybe 50 years. Wow. Um, and he uh, I had approached him because um, it was really it wasn't just stress. It was sleeping. I wanted to improve my sleep Mm -hmm. and, um, this was so many years ago, but I approached him and it was like one or two sessions that I did with him. And that was it over the years. We've done like kind of a follow-up here and there every few years of like, how's it going? What do you need to get back to? What are you missing? Um, but, um, you just have to learn it once. And then if you're disciplined and you're following it, um, I've I've done the other stuff too. I've done the apps with the guided meditation and all that, but this is just something. This is a practice I've learned initially and uh, just stuck with.
0: Very cool. Yeah. No. That's I I love it. That's great advice. I think that. I was going to ask you one of the last questions. I, I'm in the middle of writing a book called The Peaceful Entrepreneur. And I'm curious kind of how you find peace in what you do and what that formula looks like to you. And just like pretty much anybody else that I ask that question to, it always comes back to some form of meditation or prayer. Uh, it's about kind of being in the now versus thinking of the past or the, the future constantly. And, um, and that kind of thing. So that's, that's great advice. And then and, and I
1: do, th- I do think it's everything too. You know, it is that whole, like, you know, um, don't overwork only work on what's important. Um, give yourself that renewal. Our calendar, my calendar has always been, and it started as strategic coach separated in tactical days, strategic days, renewal days. Um, we stick with those. Um, awesome. so, um, that's part of it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's the meditation. It's the, I I've always been a morning person. So um, I know that later in the day, I am not as effective or even close as effective energy wise as Mm -hmm. I am at six, 7am. So those are, that's my prime time. And I try to utilize that specific time. um, So that way later in the day is really when my I'm I'm kind of shutting down. I'm, I'm okay. not a late night out,
0: Yeah. So along those same lines, I'm curious, is there something in particular you think you do pretty exceptionally well, whether it's the practicality of blocking your week appropriately or, you know, t- small tips like that that people just don't realize that you think could help other listeners become more effective at what they do?
1: I think for other listeners, anyone that's trying to, um, I think all of it has to come together. Right. Um, and it's hard. It's, you know, it's all, it's all habit, right. Atomic habits, right. Another great book. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it's, it has to be a combination of, um, health, exercise, mental time blocking. Like it's been years ever since I started, um, in, in doing my own thing 20 years ago, uh, of finding something and adding to it and creating a habit, um, and all you'll ever hear from someone is, well, there's not enough time, who has the time for that? but you're just once you're creating habits and di- and yes, you have to be disciplined person. Um, mm-hmm. and nothing is ever perfect and just realizing, hey, you know, I didn't work out all week. Okay, like there's next week and not not getting upset about it, then um, you know, creating that that lifestyle, I find that it's necessary because if you if when I don't have those things, Um, they don't have to be a hundred percent, but they have to be 70 to 80%. And that's how I look at it. Like Mm -hmm. I don't need to be a hundred percent. I don't need to work out every day. That would be great. It's a great goal. But if it happened three times a week, well, that's better than zero. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, if I missed a meditation day, well, it's better than not missing it. I remember I asked early on when I started meditating, I said, you know, sometimes with the day or time, um, uh, my meditations instead of being twenty minutes are like ten. Is that bad? And um, Mark, the, the the gentleman who had taught me at the time, said to me, "It's better than not doing it." So yeah. don't don't you can't let it stress you out and 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 now add something to your mind. I think it's all everyone trying to do something better and always get better. And I convey that to anyone that has a team. Um, we, we have our, our annual planning meeting coming up uh, on your team with, with my team. I have everybody declare personal development goals um, and what they're doing as on, on mental for mental and for physical health.
0: Oh, that's um, awesome.
1: Cause I just think it's so important to, for everybody to at least be able to just talk about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And of course, you know, just saying it out to the world is going to help people move forward in the progress versus perfection, which seems like it's been a common theme that I've had to remind people of lately with with coaching uh clients. Any progress is better than nothing, and especially in our industry, accountants were those so A-type personalities, we want that perfection, and it took a coach to tell me Progress is always better than perfection. And it's to finally sink in for me to actually have the big results and the big dreams and like get to the places that I really wanted to be because I was just so stuck and like, oh, I didn't do this exactly the way I wanted to do it. And so I didn't do it well at all. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and so, and we all get there and with that back to Ben Hardy, that's the gap, right? Mm-hmm. Between the gap and the gain where we start to go and live in the gap so I do find that the meditation, the um, the blocking of the days, and just to go back to the blocking of the days, I had tried, I said, I can't do strategic day and not have meetings on that day. I just can't do it. It's not working. So what I tried to do was like, let me time block the morning for this afternoon for that.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: didn't work for me. And it didn't work for me because when I'm strategic and working on projects or on the business, um, I couldn't switch my mind uh, to go now client-facing. So mm-hmm. it forced me to say, this has to be the day. And yeah. the tactical day that's client-facing, that has to be that day only. So I learned for me personally, and everyone has something different, but I guess it's just, we're all trying to get better.
0: For sure, yeah. Um, That's what I always tell people in whatever they're learning or getting coached on, don't necessarily make it 100% because you're going to have your own little nuances to it. Make Take about 90% of that concept and then put your own little tweaks and 10% on it. And especially with time blocking, I think that you can really take it to a, a, a really neat level. Um. All right, awesome. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, We've heard about... All about defined benefit plans. Hopefully I jazzed up some other people uh, or, you know, the people into this uh, method that they haven't heard of before or maybe thought was too aggressive in the past. I love what you said about it being around forever. And no, it's not a listed transaction. That's probably the first question that I'm going to get after this podcast. Uh, and the IRS is not focusing on it. It's a tried and true method. And David and his team take great care in assessing the risk of it and helping you make the the right choices and go down the right path. And then I love that we kind of switched gears to more of just general life lessons and, and finding peace throughout it. So David, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you is going through the website, the contact form, the best method, are you on LinkedIn, a particular social network?
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. They can look me up. David Podell. Um, we're on, you know, the, the website's best. Um, just send an email through the site or contact. I mean, it's we're, we're very responsive. Um, we'll get back to you right away. We'll get something scheduled, um, you know, whether you want to write a detailed email or whatever is best. We're, we're very we have a great team and we're on top of on top of it and we're happy to just answer any specific questions as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again and take care.
1: Yeah, this is great. Thanks so much, Jackie. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the concierge cpa hosted by tax plan iq we believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world if you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program please visit jackie meyer j-a-c-k-i-e-m-e-y-e-r cpa.com to apply please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.